Hi, and welcome to Filled with His Love. In this week's Come, Follow Me, we read about the parable of the sower in Matthew 13 and Luke 8. The seeds are symbolic of the Word of God, and so when we listen to a conference talk or read the Scriptures, our hearts have to be open and receptive if those words are to find a place in us to grow. When our hearts are open and ready, those seeds or words strengthen us and nourish our witness of the restoration. However, when our hearts are not open and ready, those seeds, as the parable goes, may fall among thorns. Matthew 13 and 7, quote, And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. There are many types of thorns, but one of the most dangerous types is addiction. Speaking of these thorns, President Oaks in his talk said, quote, we, we surrender to the pleasures of this life when we are addicted, which impairs God's precious gift of agency, end quote. Addictions are among the most dangerous of all thorns in our life. And yes, these thorns or addictions can choke you because, as President Oaks explains, they steal away our agency from us. And the loss of agency is perhaps the most serious curse that can come upon us. We sometimes think that the addict is the only one who is affected, but friends and family members who know the addict are affected oftentimes just as much as the addicts themselves. Prophets have cautioned us to avoid addictions for decades, but there are still so many who struggle with drugs, internet addictions, pornography, cell phone addictions, food addictions, and the list goes on and on. And as I say, these addictions affect relationships big time. Nobody has an addiction in and of themselves in isolation without affecting somebody else. I remember a bishop once who told me that his wife was suffering from a prescription drug addiction. I was actually very surprised to hear that she was addicted to anything. She was one of the most kind, most thoughtful people I'd ever known. That was my first realization that addictions can affect everyone at any age, regardless of how committed they are to their faith. I might add that certain personality types are susceptible to addiction more than others, and so these things afflict so many people. Addictions occur because we have a pleasure center in our brain, and when our neurotransmitters secrete the hormone dopamine and other similar hormones, we feel an intense sense of pleasure. Anne Lemke, in her book Dopamine Nation, helps us understand how dopamine is a central player in the process of addiction. And as she points out, addictions are increasing astronomically in the U.S. and around the world. Here's a quote from her book. Quote, in the 1990s, the percentage of Americans who drank alcohol increased by almost 50%. I mean, that's astounding already. While high-risk drinking increased by 15%. That's basically alcoholism. Between 2002 and 2013, diagnosable alcohol addiction rose by 50% in older adults over age 65 and 84% in women. These are two demographic groups who had previously been relatively immune to this problem. End quote. 
She continues, quote, The cigarette rolling machine invented in 1880 made it possible to go from four cigarettes rolled per minute to a staggering 20,000. Today, 6.5 trillion cigarettes are sold annually around the world, translating to roughly 18 billion cigarettes consumed per day, responsible for an estimated 6 million deaths worldwide. We might think that smoking is not as big a problem as it used to be, but these data are pretty convincing, and the consequences of these two addictions, alcohol and cigarettes, cannot be overstated. Cigarettes cause so many unnecessary deaths, but alcohol is involved in domestic abuse, drunk driving, and all sorts of crimes. Substance abuse of any kind can damage not only the user, but everyone around the user. If I were to ask most members of the church to describe the word of wisdom, they would likely say something like, well, it says that we should not smoke or drink or drink coffee. We think about the things that the word of wisdom prohibits usually, but it also tells us what we should eat. Here's another excerpt from the Dopamine Nation. Food is manipulated by technicians around the world. Following World War I, the automation of chip and fry production lines led to the creation of the bagged potato chip. In 2014, Americans consumed, listen to this, 112 pounds of potatoes per person, of which 33.5 pounds were fresh potatoes and the remaining 78.5 pounds were processed. In other words, potato chips or some type of chip. We are way into chips. All you have to do is look down the aisle in some stores and the whole aisle is full of chips. Copious amounts of sugar, salt, and fat are added to much of the food we eat, as well as thousands of artificial flavors to satisfy our modern appetite for things like French toast, ice cream, and Thai tomato coconut bisque. This is the end of the quote. I don't know where she got the Thai coconut bisque from, but a cardiologist at the Mayo Clinic has estimated that poor diet, I just read this today, by the way, that poor diet, the diet that most Americans eat, increases the risk of heart disease by 300%. Our genes can increase the risk of heart disease by about 40%, but poor diet increases it by 300%. Now, another quote, 70% of world global deaths are attributable to modifiable behavioral risk factors like smoking, physical inactivity, and diet." End quote. All of this helps us understand that we're not only drinking and smoking way too much, we're also eating too much and way too much of the wrong things, ultra-processed foods. And why do we indulge in all of these things that are not good for us? Because they taste good, make us feel good, bring us relief from pain, they all hit the pleasure center of our brain. And the problem with that is the more our pleasure center gets tickled by some substance or some behavior or some food, the more we want it. Addictions show how desperate people are to find happiness. Here's another quote from the Dopamine Nation book. Quote, the pursuit of personal happiness has become a modern maxim, crowding out other definitions of the good life. Even acts of kindness toward others are framed as a strategy for personal happiness. Altruism, no longer merely 
a good in itself, has become a vehicle for our own well-being. Philip Reif, a mid-20th century psychologist and philosopher, foresaw this trend in, quote, the triumph of the therapeutic, quote. This is what he said. Uses of faith after Freud. Quote, religious man was born to be saved. Psychological man is born to be pleased. Chances are that you're listening to this podcast, if you're listening to it, you either have struggled with an addiction or know someone who has struggled with one. Not all addictions are life-threatening, like, for example, heroin, but they are all detrimental to our emotional, spiritual, or physical health. Anything that hurts us emotionally, spiritually, or physically hurts those we love. We cannot have healthy, enduring attachment relationships if we're addicted to any substance or behavior. When I was serving as a stake president of a young married student stake, I asked the sisters in Relief Society what they would like me to talk about with their husbands. The consensus was, please, President, talk to them about video games. Our husbands come home from school or work at the end of the day and hardly say hello to us. They just go straight to the computer and pull up a video game. So, we addressed the issue in Elders Quorum, and many of the husbands agreed that this was a problem. They knew they needed to spend less time gaming, but they also knew that it brought them pleasure. That's the problem with addictions. We know they're not good, but they give us a momentary boost, so we keep doing what we rationally know is not good for us, or for the people we love. The Apostle Paul once said, and I'm paraphrasing this, quote, Why is it that I do what I know I should not do, and don't do what I know I should do? Activating our pleasure center has apparently been a problem forever, even in early days. So what do we do? First, we need to recognize the thing that that we've become hooked on, and how bad that is for us, that it's really not good for us and that we don't want it around us. Next, we need to find some help to overcome the addiction. Addictions are seldom, if ever, overcome alone. The church, for example, offers addiction recovery programs for those who need help. And maybe the thing we're addicted to is not life-threatening. Maybe we're addicted to the internet or to our cell phone. And so we should make a pledge to cut back, and we should tell someone close to us about our goal. Addictions can be overcome, but usually not by the addict alone. We need help. So let's reach out and get the help we need. I hope if you have an addiction or have had one and relate to someone who has one right now, I hope this might be helpful. And we will look forward to seeing you next time.